Welcome to the People First Culture Podcast with me, Michelle Falcon, where I share lessons I've learned and those of others on how to build a more purposeful business and career. Hey team, welcome to another episode of Brassa Masterclass. This episode is with somebody that's very inspirational. Uh, her name is Whitney Burns. I met her at the end of 2021. Uh, she has a husband. She has two kids. She has a senior ranking role within a multi-billion dollar industry uh, being that real estate, which is very competitive, very demanding. Uh, she has enough time to train and run marathons. Uh, she's a great individual. And I think you can learn a lot from her, not just lessons for your career, but how to manage just everything in your life. Uh, I know that I just listed off many things that she has to manage that I don't have responsibilities for. So it's somebody that uh, she's somebody that I can learn from uh, also. So let's get into it with Whitney Burns. Uh, as always, if there's somebody that you want me to try to interview, send names our way. Uh, I will do my very best to dig deep in my network to be able to interview them so that you can have these lessons uh, and grow yourself. Uh, and that is what Brass and Masterclass is for. So let's get into this episode with Whitney Burns. Whitney, I've done your intro uh, before this, so we don't have to uh, go through that. Uh, I know whenever I'm introduced um, and it's a long introduction, you kind of just sit there and look around awkwardly. So I'm not going to put you through that. Um, and you, you could, I could go on with your bio. Uh, I've done, I've done my research, um, and it is impressive. And when I think of my team, I, I re reached out to you because of everything that I learned. Um, so I'm going to start with something really high level, and then we're going to go go deeper. But there's a, a husband in your life. There's two young kids. There's a, a demanding career. Uh, it is a big organization with a lot of responsibilities and a, and a big title. Uh, and then there's, you know, time to run a marathon and train for said marathon. And, um, and then there's friends, I'm sure, and more. How do you do it? And, and I'm, I will tell you, I feel after I was thinking of your career and all the responsibilities you have, I was like, you know what? I, I, I have the easy. I don't have two kids. Um, so I'm very much doing these videos for the team, but I'm also doing it for myself. Um, so start anywhere. Like, how do you make your whole life function considering that you have dependence and, you know, a husband that needs attention and health and, and everything? I think I used to hate this phrase, but it is really true that everyone really does have the same 24 hours in the day. And I think where I'm able to squeeze a lot in is that I use a lot of hours. So I don't sleep a lot, which I don't recommend, but I think yeah, it's like, you know, hours? how many hours would you say on average? Five. Okay. So, I mean, not bad, but we're not getting to eight um, sure. anytime soon, which is fine. Um, but I think, so for example, like, you know, I'm up with, I don't wake up super early. I know that that's like, I watched all the, these shows and podcasts and all these successful people are like, I wake up so early because like I, if I beat the sun up and I'm like, that ain't me. Um, I'm totally yeah. a night owl. So it's like I wake up with the kids and I really try, um, you know, first thing I do is check my email, like so I can at least like calm my mind. Um, the difficulty of a global job is that you're always waking up to tons of emails because everybody else around, you know, in Europe's been working for hours. But 
um, you know, I, I stay up pretty late and like, I, I know that's not really a, um, existential tip, but it's like, you know, I, I try really hard to stop as close to five as possible to get home and see the boys because my sons are five and one. So they go to bed really early. So it's, you know, I didn't always do this correctly and I've made mistakes in terms of balancing work and family, but I realized that, um, stopping work to spend that precious, you know, two, two and a half hours with the boys before they have to go to bed is of the absolute utmost importance. Um, and when I took this role, that was something that I shared with my boss, like though that time is so precious and so protect protected, but, um, it wasn't always an easy road to be able to like be confident enough to say that I would sure. sacrifice family time, um, to try to get ahead or to, to didn't, I didn't want to be the mom. Right. Like, so, yeah. um, Anyway, I think it's protecting that time. But then after they go to bed, I mean, that's when the workout gets in. That's when the laptop reopens. Um, so it's just really trying to figure out how I can use the most of my day. But I will also say that I am so incredibly lucky to have a partner and my husband who is a 50-50 partner. He is a hands-on dad. He helps with everything. There is no... Um, like you do that because you're the mom and I do this because I'm the man or I'm the dad. Like we have a 50, 50 split and I wouldn't survive without that. And I wouldn't survive without, um, support of my friends and family. Um, you know, I know that I have a really tight, but good network of people that help. And so when I need it, you know, I have that. And, um, if I didn't have it, I couldn't do anything, um, that I've done. So let's unpack a couple of things there. Um, do you do time blocking consciously as in what I mean by that? is if it's Monday morning, you're like, I know what the week looks like. And I know you have kids, so that's obviously going to throw curveballs. Uh, but are you like Monday morning? Okay, I know that I'm exercising from eight to nine. Or is it more ad hoc where it's like, oh, okay, I have time. I'll, I'll, I'll go do it now. Like, how do you, I'm, I'm curious to know the tactical approach to how you manage yeah, yeah. I do. I, so I do try to do that. And I do think it helps me mentally, but I, I will say that if I plan out the week and I'm like, okay, these days I'm going to, you know, run X time or work out this time or go to a workout class or like this time is for X, Y, Z, unless it's like a doctor's appointment, it has to be flexible. So yeah. I do think it helps me to say, to plan out my goal, but I, I don't think you can be too, too rigid on it, at least yeah. in my experience, because you, I just, there may be a meeting that pops up. That's like, if we don't get it done this week, it's going to delay it, you know, to a detrimental effect. So I have to be flexible, but I do think like looking out and trying to plan out, um, especially with having kids, because if I can say, okay, Ryan, my husband, like if, if I want to work out, you know, these nights, is that cool? And you can do this and I can do that. We have to divide and conquer, but also being flexible. So it helps me to plan out week by week, but that's with a big caveat that says I'm pretty much living day to day. So fair. Um, it, it sounds like you have a non-negotiable in your life now when it comes to that two hour window for your kids. Uh, you said yeah. something really interesting, but also like um, I, something that men don't go through. And that's yeah. uh, I'm paraphrasing what you said, but you're like, I felt like um, I might be judged in the workplace if I'm that mom. Um, yeah. How did you get past that? 
and saying, you know what, I don't care. I'm a mom and husband first, then a professional. Yeah. I, um, well, to be totally honest, I don't think I'm totally past it. Um, I still think I have that like in the back of my head, um, which, you know, my boss knows and he thinks I'm crazy, but, um, I try to be open with it. Um, I have an all female team and I don't want them to feel that way when they get to that phase in their life, should they so choose. Um, but I think that it took, um, real, like, almost testing the waters, um, but also seeing other successful women make it a point to do that. Now, I think that some people think, well, if men do it, so for example, like I've had um, bosses or colleagues who would say, I'm leaving at four today because I'm going to my kids' softball practice. And while I think that's great and they should totally do that, I don't think that that necessarily made it easier for me to do it. I still felt like, Mm. But I like I'm I've got to like work t- twice as hard because people will judge me, you know. And I used to never have pictures of my kids around in my office because I thought like I don't want people to like look at me that way. And I I think one way I got over it was verbalizing it, talking to my bosses and sharing that I had those fears once I had that relationship, and them debunking that helped me realize that I had a great leadership and mentorship in, in my life and in my career. Um, and I also think, um, you know, as of last week or two weeks ago, you know, Heinz is now um, run by a female with a young child with another on the way. Um, she, so our, our co-CEO, Laura Heinz Pierce, um, I think also leads by example. And that helps pave the way for people, even though I'm further along in my career than others, like, that helps me feel more confident in making my decisions too. She makes it a very strong point, you know, that she's taking her full maternity leave, that she makes time for her family. Um, and I think that helps pave the way too. So I don't think I'm totally over it, but I'm trying to, to be level-headed about it and realize that um, some of those things may just be in my head and deeply ingrained in me, but aren't necessarily a stigma anymore, if that makes sense. It does. And I, I think the badge of honor has changed. Um, you know, there's the Forbes articles that you, you reference, like all the successful people wake up at 4 a.m. And it's yes. like, nope, no, they don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the badge of honor, like work X amount of hours per day, uh, I think has been replaced by um, work hard, yeah. but then also be able to have that time blocking and I'm starting to get, I'm trying to get better at it myself. Like this Saturday, uh, I blocked off six hours in the afternoon to do nothing. Yeah. And it felt so good. Now I just hope to, I, I adhere to that. Yeah, um, correct. <laughs> that, that it's very easy to block off time, but to actually adhere to it. And yeah. with my fiance, I told her, I was like, you know what, when I schedule my weeks, I'm going to block off time to, to relax. And she was like, it's about time, right? Because yeah. that obviously impacts everything around you also by not doing yourself that service. Um, yeah. Your your career and, and all your accomplishments speak for themselves, but what you what people probably don't see by visiting a LinkedIn profile or, or reading an article about you are like, you know, what are those traits that, you know, if you're self-aware enough, and I'm sure you are, what are those like traits, one, two or three traits that you're like, that's why I'm successful. And uh, I, I'm, you know, it's always weird to, for one to call themselves successful. So I'm calling you, those are my words. Um, but help us understand, like, if you look back on your career, be like, it was those three things. 
So I think it's probably, I, I mean, number one would be like grit or determination and just a willingness to do whatever I needed to do to get it done. Um, you know, pulling up my sleeves and not saying, oh, well, you know, that's not part of my role or that's not in my job title or whatever it may be. Like that's just never been in my mentality. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that that is one that has allowed me to, you know, excel and shine in places where people are like, wow, like she's really just to do whatever she has to do to get it done. Um, And I think probably flexibility too. And that those maybe go hand in hand, but being able to adapt and when things don't go my way or they change or, or whatever it may be, being able to pivot and not pause or freeze, um, I think is really, um, has been, you know, an important thing that's helped me get ahead. Um, and I think, you know, what I hear from, you know, my, my bosses, my leadership is, is having a high EQ and just kind of being able to like read a room, adapt to, you know, you can go into a meeting, you can have your presentation, but if it's not landing, you need to be able to, to adapt and, and you need to be able to like read the room and see what's important to them. And if they lean into a certain topic, you lean into, or just, you know, being self-aware, you know, understanding my flaws and, and understanding where I need to improve. Um, I think that that EQ has been something that has allowed me to kind of excel. Um, going back to the, the other point of dis- uh, discussion, just like for the team listening uh, and for anybody listening, um, like especially for the team, is like I am telling you, block off time for yourself. We're, we got to go to we got to go to work, and we're going to work really hard. But you got to block that time, like Whitney and I do, uh, and not have things be so rigid. On your last messaging and discussion items there, the thing that comes to me is you likely gave your leaders peace of mind where it's like, she's, she's got it, right? She'll figure it out. And and if you think about uh, some of your team members that you lead, um, they probably give you peace of mind. Yes. And that way, you, you know, you're clearing a path for their careers. And I very much see that as my responsibility. It's like, you know, hedging all the trees so that they can walk down this path and, and be the one that kind of takes the bullet if something goes bad. And in the return, we get that peace of mind. Um, mm-hmm. Pivotal moments in your career. What, like, people or moments where you just, like, broke through, there was that tipping point. Can you recount anything or anyone? And if it's an individual, like, what did they do? Okay, so I have... I have a person and then I have a moment. Um, The person, so I interned at this private equity firm in high school here in Houston. Um, I did not learn a damn thing about private equity. Who? Who who works in private equity in high school? Well, I told, I mean, I didn't learn anything about private equity, but I was like, I just, I always just like, wanted to be successful, whatever that means. I don't think I've achieved it, but I was like, okay, if I just like start working <laughs> as soon as I can, like yes. that's, what's going to get me there. Um, so I, I started I interning there. Continue. Do what? I was washing dishes in high school, but continue oh. your private equity story at 16. Yeah. We're listening. So, continue. Uh, the sort of administrative assistant, um, at that was really, was really who I reported to, um, at this internship. So you can see how close to the private equity I actually was. 
Um, but his attention to detail and follow through like was just unparalleled. And that experience was the biggest thing I gleaned from that internship. I mean, the way that he would put together, I mean, and this was a while ago. So we still printed things out. And when he, I would just watch the way he, you know, would print out the itinerary for the CEO and put it in a beautiful folder and make sure every step of the way was accounted for. And just seeing that, like the way that he was so meticulous to make sure that his boss was in line and successful, the way that he anticipated needs, that really struck me and is something that I think I've carried with me throughout my whole career is like always trying to think ahead, always, you know, take the next step, even as something as simple as like attaching an Excel, like checking, is it aligned? Is the font the same? Could you have maybe, you know, put a box around something? Like it's so tiny, but I just think that those things make such a big difference as the person then opening that Excel. Like, so I think he taught me to just make sure that you don't just do what you need to do. You do what you need to do plus one. Um, And that was really huge for me. Um, And then the moment um, was when my first son, Jack, was born. When I went back to work, it was the darkest time in my life. I just, I don't know, I couldn't find my footing and I wanted to be home, but I didn't want to give up my career. And I didn't feel like I could just sort of take a year off and start again. And I was miserable. I didn't like the way that our like the childcare we had set up and it was awful. Um, and that moment was a moment for me that I really just dug in and sort of looked at my situation and turned that pain that I was feeling and that uncertainty into motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to channel that and make that pivot and make that change. It, I mean, it just gave me a different confidence. Um, so it was a really, you know, painful and difficult time as it is for so many women going back. And I was incredibly lucky that I had, you know, three months paid maternity leave um, to do that. And it's funny because I know you're in Canada where three months paid maternity leave is like a joke. But, you know, for me in the U.S., like that, I, I'm extremely lucky to have had that. And um, but it it just it wasn't a good time. And so rather than just sort of lose it and crumble, I was able to really pick myself up and turn it around. Um, and from that point forward, I really think that's when my career took a turn um, and just accelerated. And so it was a it was a painful time, but I had a new motivation and a new reason. Um, and it gave me all the more um, kind of energy to, again, like channel that pain into um, motivation. The attention to detail, um, I'm happy you brought that up because when I was, I was 21 and uh, my mentor at the time, Patrick Lewis, went through a slide deck that I was building for this senior presentation and just tore it apart. And not on the data, not on what I was communicating. It was visually how I was communicating to your point, the font, punctuation. Uh, and then more recently, like my current mentors and, you know, I, I there's no formal relationship, but uh, Aleem and, and Steve, uh, same thing. Um, so there's a common theme with individuals who excel in their attention to detail. And when I was thinking about like, why is this the case for me, it's just 
accuracy and just like knowing that things are buttoned up because that's a reflection of everything that they're likely going to do. So if I mm-hmm. see something, I don't question it. And it goes back to that peace of mind when somebody gives me something, if they have that reputation for everything being buttoned up, it's like, oh, it's from her. It's from her. It's from him. I'm, I'm good. Don't even have to yeah. you know, I'll look at it, but I don't have to spend a lot of time putting it under, under a microscope because they built that reputation. I was going to ask my last question in a certain way and I scrapped it. And um, <laughs> I, I, well, I was going to ask it in the way, what advice do you have for, you know, women in the workplace? But I think that's part of the problem. Why are we propping women up to give advice to women? It's, it's, I like it, immediately you've put them in a box together. Whereas yeah. it's just like, just give advice. I don't care about who it's from. Like, alien female male transgendered I, I just don't care um yeah so i'm just going to ask a question more broadly like what advice sure. do you have in building a career in the workplace and i know that's a loaded question so if there's one thing that you would tell your younger self focus on this i would say don't let the noise drown out the signal so don't let all of the BS of the world around you, the competitiveness, what he's doing, what she's doing, eat away at you and distract you. Like keep your eyes pointed forward and figure out what you as a person need to reach whatever goal you want. Um, Because I think that there's so much noise that can distract us from anything in life. And so, you know, that's just a piece of advice that, you know, my mentor gave me and I have always really stuck with it. I got it late in life, but it was, you know, just not letting the noise distract you from what you really want um, and not getting what you are not letting what you want get in the way of who you are. So always staying true to, um, you know, your core, what you know is right um, stand up for what is right, even when it doesn't feel good. Um, I think that those things, while they may not immediately reap a reward long-term, they will serve you very well. And only the paranoid survive. And only the paranoid survive. Oh my gosh. How could I even forget it? (laughs) I I bought a book about that. I mean, that is my motto. That is my life motto. No one had put it into words until I met you, but I mean, that's part of that, like grit, that determination is like, and the follow through buttoning up because you're like, well, if I don't do it perfectly, somebody else is going to come along and do it. Like, yeah. will I have a job tomorrow? I don't know. I mean, that's how I wake up every day. Like, oh, am I going to get fired? Like, I, yeah, I, I'm, I, I learned that from Howard Schultz and who's like a professional hero of mine. And I'm like, I'm taking this and I'm obviously going to credit the individual that I first heard it from um, with the, with the perfection uh, comes from Bob Iger, who's the former CEO of Disney. And he said something I'm yeah. phrasing. I hope I get it right. But he said, perfection is just not settling for mediocrity. And I was like, yeah. like one of those ones that you hear somebody say something, you're just like, what is, what did that person just say? And just yeah. hit home. Like that's like tombstone worthy. Like yeah. in my tombstone. But, um, oh, but you know what else? I don't want to forget this one. Don't stay under a bad boss. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have done that and it sucks. And I'm not like, you know, you got to have the grit stick through things. Everything's not perfect all the time, but 
if you don't have a boss who is including you in meetings or at least, you know, has is transparent about what's going on, is teaching you things, is like inspiring you. If you don't look up the ladder and say like, I want to be them, you got to go. You got to move. Because I've been in those, I think that my career stalled for a, a good amount of time because I didn't just say, wait, this this guy just sucks and I need to, I need to move on. You know, like I was like, no, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to do it. So sometimes the grit maybe can be stubbornness, but that sure. was the other thing I was thinking is like, don't, I mean, and don't, you, you can't be, you know, job happy and move around too much, but don't stick with someone who doesn't have your best interests at heart. Absolutely. And, and on the leader, like, you know, just because you get that vice president's title doesn't mean your development stops. If anything, it needs yeah. to be accelerated. Um, and then for the team member who is, you know, being led by the leader, um, reframing what that relationship looks like. For example, like sometimes individuals might be too too timid to say, hey, can I be included in those meetings? Yeah. Ask, ask, right? Yeah. Like as long as what you're asking for is like ethical and just ask, like worst case scenario is going to be uh, not not now, but soon or, or whatever, right? If enough yeah. people are asking for said thing, well, then it's on the leader to make that happen. Um, so just be curious. I think that's the, the root cause of it is being curious, asking questions, asking yeah. you know, to be included and so forth. Like as, as a leader, you love that, right? You love your team members always trying to get more intimate with the business and understanding this and that, like it's, you know, wide-eyed professionals or anybody, um, any wide-eyed professionals are the ones that often succeed, ask the best questions. Whitney, thank you for your time. I know you of have uh, a career to manage and a family to to love and, and adhere to. So I will let you go. Is it? Do I have your permission um, to have uh, team members reach out to you if you if they have a question via email? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, of course. And then if if you get flooded, let me know, and I'll I'll, I'll save your inbox. But uh, no, please. <laughs> I am open book. I'm I'm so happy to talk with anyone. Whitney Burns, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it.